Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. And it's 29th, the American Standard Heating Weather Center, 93 WIBC. I'm Nigel. Guy Relford is filling in for Hammer. We will continue with Ask the Gun Guy, Second Amendment attorney, licensed firearms instructor. Guy, thanks for filling in for Hammer today. We've been having fun. Let's take some more calls. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go right back to the phone lines. we got Jim. Jim, welcome to Hammer and Nigel. Man, what can I do for you? Um, you cut out there. Is that, did you say Jim? Jim, yep. Yeah, you're on, man. What you got? Oh, sorry. Uh, great segment. Uh, a couple of things. Uh, selling a gun to another person or gifting to a family member. What is the rules on that? And I have a Utah license up for renewal. Is that a good thing to do in light of the new federal concealed carry laws? Um, well, not so much the federal concealed carry laws. Um, that doesn't have much effect one way or the other. But, yeah, the Utah license is fine. I think it's good in something like 35 states now. Um, and you don't need a license in Indiana uh, under constitutional carry. Typically, residents in Indiana if to carry in Indiana needed an Indiana license to carry. Uh, but since we have constitutional carry now, um, you should be good to go. There are a couple exceptions to that where you may want to get an Indiana license, including the Federal Gun-Free School Zones Act. You need to be licensed by the state in which you're located um, to not run afoul of the Gun-Free School Zones Act federal law because if you're a th- within a 1,000 feet of a school, which is a school zone, um, you're violating that act. So if it were me, I'd go ahead and get my Indiana license. It's free. Get, get It's lifetime. No reason not to do it. Um, and the first part of your question was what? I forget. Oh, to, uh, no, I know transferring a gun to a, a family member or friend um, you know, there's no background check required as to between private individuals in Indiana, Jim, but you, uh, you simply can't transfer a gun to someone, you know, um, to be, um, uh, ineligible to buy their own gun from a dealer is essentially how that works. Um, you can buy a gun as a gift uh, for a family member, as long as you're using your own money. And it's not just for a family member, right? You can buy a gun as a gift for whomever. It just, you can't do it for someone you know to be prohibited from buying their own gun. And you have to use your own money. If somebody gives you money and says, hey, man, go by the gun store and buy me a gun, then you're lying when you uh, put on They're the called form. a straw purchase? Yeah, well, yeah, it's, you, you're lying. Yeah, straw purchase arguably applies, Nige, but you also have to, the first question you answer on the form you fill out when you're buying a gun is, are you the actual purchaser of the firearm? Uh, if someone has given you money to buy that gun, you're not the actual purchaser. So yeah, a straw purchase would apply, and lying on that form will get you 10 years in federal prison. Ooh. So, But basically, Jim, if you uh, have no reason to believe that uh, the person you're buying a gun for uh, to give, uh, or if you're transferring a gun, you're selling it to another private individual, that's legal in Indiana. Let's go back to the phone lines, and we got Bart. Bart, welcome to Hammer and Nigel. Yeah, how's it going, guys? Good, man. What hey, you got? Hey, I got a question. I got a. Uh, my wife is disabled. She's in a wheelchair, and her, she has MS, so her hands are really fatigued. And we've been trying to find a, a good firearm that she can uh, take a course with, and then she could use. We've tried. Uh, a 38 special hammerless. We tried a uh, Smith and Wesson nine. What would be your suggestion? Yeah, the, you know the the double action revolvers uh, that you mentioned, Bart, are really tough. Where someone 
um, with weakness in their hands because it's a really long, heavy trigger pull. You have to put eight to ten pounds of pressure on the trigger to pull a typical double action revolver to pull that action all the way back that both cocks and releases the hammer. That's a lot. Um, they do make some semi-automatics specifically um, to make them easy to manipulate uh, the the uh, shield easy. Um, it's just what it sounds like um, that they make in 380, and I think it's in. It comes in nine millimeter as well. That's specifically designed to have a light. Uh, recoil spring, which means you can manipulate the slide on a semi-automatic uh, easily. Um, that's designed for exactly the purpose that you're describing. So I would look in uh, to that one. I'll tell you what, let's go back to the phone lines, and we've got James. Hey, this is a quick question on my if Somebody has been diagnosed with uh, PTSD, anxiety, or depression. At what point does it become illegal for them to possess or carry a firearm? Okay, and, and you broke up a little bit when they've been diagnosed oh. with what exactly? Um, PTSD. PTSD. Oh, PTSD. Or anxiety. At what stage does it become illegal for them to carry a firearm? Well, they have to be adjudicated to be mentally defective. That typically means a court has looked into it and decided that they are a danger to themselves or others. So if you're like involuntarily committed, um, then that would make it illegal for you to possess a firearm. That's one example. But it, you have to be adjudicated. In other words, um, the, a court or some other official tribunal has made that determination. It's not just the medical diagnosis. It goes beyond that. And I'll tell you what, I think we got time for another one, don't we, Nige? Yeah, we got, we got two minutes. i uh, got two minutes. Let's go to Rick, who's been on hold for a while. Rick, welcome to Hammer and Nigel. Hi, Guy. Uh, I graduated uh, from Carmel High School in 1968 and actually met you when I was dating your, your, your older sister. Ah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I graduated in 76, so yeah, that would make you about my sister's age. I, I remember you. If I would have known you were going to grow up to be a gun guy, I probably would have married her. <laughs> yeah, well, when, here's my question. Yeah, go here's ahead. Here's my question. I have a quarter of a million dollar uh, firearm um uh, liability policy, what amount do you think is adequate? Because I just kind of pulled that out of a hat as a number. Yeah. What's a good number? You know, it, it really depends. Uh, you know, but if let's say you use your firearm, you're talking about carry insurance, like through USCCA or something like that, Rick. Yes. yes yeah, exactly. So, um, I got a million, I think it's the platinum plan, only because if you're involved in a self-defense shooting, but say you get prosecuted, and on top of that, you get sued, um, then it's very easy for you to run up legal bills that surpass a quarter million. So I'd bump that a little, Ooh. buddy, uh, if I were you. You want to do this again tomorrow? I Absolutely. Mean, we, we have I an love entire... doing this. Yeah, we, uh, John, we didn't get to John, so I tell John to call back tomorrow. We'll, okay. do, we'll do it again. So we have an entire hour left, and we're going to do Ask the Gun Guy tomorrow at 530 again. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.